The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. I am Professor Snipe, and this is the Potterhood Podcast with Nico Wright and Will Poznan. You're here to enjoy the subtle science and exact art of podcasting. As there's a little foolish wand waving here, many of you will hardly believe this is magic. However, for those select few who possess the predisposition, enjoy the show. <laughs> Check, 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 check. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode, but to a newer year of the Barterhood Podcast. I'm Nico White. I'm Will Posnan. And we're the Potterhood Podcast. Welcome back, y'all. Welcome back. Welcome back to life. Happy effing new year. Will, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm I'm glad it's not last year and happy it's this year. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. What about you? Brother, similar to you, I'm happy that um it's this year. I'm happy that <clears throat> pardon me. I'm happy that COVID-19 pandemics quarantines can no longer surprise me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I know how to get through at least a year, a year or something like that. And I'm proud to be able to reflect on going through something like that. So aside all that, I'm decent, fam. Cannot complain. Now, I agree with you that at least no matter what happens this year, at least we're a little ready for it. Like there's nothing that could happen where we're not going to get sucker punched in the same way again. Like we're right. it's, if I hear whispers about a thing, I'm tuning in. I'm, I'm getting ready for it. Day one. Right. hundred percent. Max, how are you? Yeah. I mean, I'm good. I think uh, we're in a better place than we were nine months ago. You know, yeah. Trump is probably on his way out. Like who yeah, hopefully really knows with prison. this like craziness. Yeah. Um, and his phone calls and whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't think anything could shock us. I think like the worst thing could happen at this point and we would be like, well, of course. So I right. think, I think there's no, there's still, I think there's still room for bad things to happen, but I agree that we won't be surprised or caught off guard by really anything. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> if nothing else, old boy prepared us for the BS dog. Yeah. I'm almost Go ahead, Will. Do you guys uh do you guys have any New Year's salute uh, resolutions? Um yes. My New Year's resolution is to be a hundred percent more disciplined and a hundred and fifty-five percent more forgiving when I'm not disciplined. Oh, forgiving of yourself? That's a good yes. one. Mine's to mine's partially to forgive the people that aren't me. <laughs> 
yeah. to just be, uh, but then also, yeah, uh, mine, ours are pretty similar. I mean, mine is like to commit a certain amount of time to getting stuff accomplished and then to letting stuff go and not getting worked up about stuff. Max, what about you? I'm trying to, um, I mean, on top of just like doing as many mics and shows as possible, mm-hmm. I'm trying to write and put out an article like just on medium once a week. Dope. Uh, put out more writing. There you go. Where, uh, <laughs> where would you guys sort the idea of new year's resolutions into? This is what I was thinking about. Like, how would you, what, what Hogwarts house does new year's resolutions belong in? In my personal opinion, I believe new year's resolutions the house they belong in all depends on what inspired the resolution. So you have some people this new year, their new year's resolution comes from something personal to them, right? They might feel a certain way about their weight. They might feel a certain way about their job. They feel a certain way about their home. For example, with me, I looked at my schedule and was like, okay, man, you were able to still pull out X amount of productivity throughout the year. Right. But there's a script that you had that you could have finished. There definitely was enough time, but you didn't get to that, right? So when you look at stuff like that, people that go into it with a positive attitude and they want to change something that's within their power, you would put that maybe in Gryffindor, right? Depending on the intention or how big the project was. Yeah. You have some people that have positive intentions, but it didn't come from them, it came from an outside source. Let's say you got somebody who wanted to lose weight, not because they thought they were fat, but their friends are in much better shape than them, right? So that's why they do it. Would you put that in Slytherin because of um, the things that legendarily would make you a Slytherin? Because that is networking. I think it's it's fucking confusing. (laughs) It's confusing. I agree with you that there are definitely motives that can be traced to the different houses. I think there's a lot of Gryffindor motives and I think there's a lot of Slytherin motives, but I think that the idea of new year's resolutions was had to have been invented either by Hufflepuff or Ravenclaw because Hufflepuff, it's just the idea of personal betterment in a, within the infrastructure routine. Every year we work on one thing and we, that's how we make our best selves. And that's what I think it is. But then there's the Ravenclaw thing of, you know, you see New Year's as this opportunity. You're basically ascribing this value to these days of like, this is when the New Year starts. And then you see the logical jump to like New Year, New Me. And then you see that whole avenue to take advantage of this time and to like warp your, you know, to do mental gymnastics in order for personal betterment. But I, I think it's a Hufflepuff thing. That's my inclination. Max, uh, any thoughts on where you would sort New Year's resolutions? Yeah, I actually would put the um, the idea as a whole as um, a Gryffindor thing, just because I think so many people don't like follow through with New Year's resolutions. It's just like a lofty idea at the beginning of the year. Like, yeah, let's do this. I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. work out every day. I'm gonna read every day. So I think it's a very it's going in with like a very lofty thing that's not like really rooted in something that's that thought out. Just that it's like, well, it's it's the first of the year, so let's start some new habits. Um, did you did you do your last years? Did you follow um, through with your last year? 
Um, I, I actually did. It's the only time I actually did, but it had to be like amended because of um, COVID. So I wanted to yeah. average out doing a set per day. Um, so I wanted to do 365 sets, like any combination of mics and shows. And I went back and lived with my parents for two months. Uh, so I couldn't do really comedy in that time. But I, with the Zoom mics and park mics, I did um, uh, I did pretty well considering with the uh with the nice. amending it. yeah but yeah, I, 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 I i usually don't and i think um uh usually in general people don't uh follow through with it which is fine i just think it's um i think that's like i just think it's a gryffindor thing it's like jumping in just like head first to uh I, a lofty task. i think a lot of a lot of people, the first few times they do New Year's, well, at least me, I'll speak for myself. First few times I ever did New Year's resolutions, I definitely went in with a Gryffindor mindset. And then I kind of tweaked it, more Ravenclaw, scaled it back, things that I can actually accomplish, things that I can still be focused on in July. And, you know, I think that's the key to New Year's resolutions is you don't set the bar too high. You actually set it to where it's, it's kind of easy to keep in January and February and the, you know, but you're still keeping it in July and then in November you're pushing yourself, but you get there. hundred. First of all, I, like, I got the over here y'all answers for it. Hilarious. <laughs> um, New Year's resolutions as a whole. I'm going to put it in one of the between houses. I'm going to go Hufflepuff. Yeah, and that's what I got. I'm going to go Hufflepuff is because like you said, they start out with the best intentions, but a lot of times you don't follow through with all of them. That's why I'm not going to put in a Gryffindor. I'm not going to put in Slytherin because I think the intention is always more positive. And yeah, that's really it. Because <laughs> I'm trying to think of other Hufflepuff traits that really stick out and being non-dependable <laughs> for some reason it strikes me as more Hufflepuff name. <laughs> I bet you and then you also got like the Cedric Diggory's that are really loud about keeping their New Year's resolution all year like yeah. every meal you eat with them he's like no carbs this year that was my resolution you're like and then look how they end up <laughs> yeah. we all go to the same place whether you keep your resolutions or not <laughs> uh, that came okay. slithering <laughs> <laughs> that was that was very slow. I mean, Cedric probably needed some Slytherins in his life just to slow up his momentum. He he had a Slytherin in his life right at the very end. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe he did. Maybe that's not. Maybe he didn't need Slytherins. Uh, okay, let's go to our our first uh, topic. So we have a topic called Breaking Point, where we discuss the most pivotal moment that a character could have folded and uh sometimes they do but we're dealing with a character this uh this episode who's never folded so it might be difficult to identify her breaking point but we're doing the breaking point of hermione granger yes indeed so i actually have two for this and let me apologize by the way I was eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and <laughs> i put a lot of peanut butter on that shit and I tried to talk through it, yo. 
It felt like I had a mouthful of Starburst trying to get words out on here. It looks so like I a muffin. You had mm-hmm. so much peanut butter in that sandwich. It was <laughs> rounded like a muffin. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to. I don't know how to contain the gluttony. So now that I've gotten the fucking peanut butter out of my teeth, I actually think Hermione could have broken it three points. The first being when they first got to the school, and she found out. You know, when she walked in on Ron and um. Harry and then making fun of her right before the right before the um troll incident and she ran to the bathroom I think that imagine being a non-magical person and you walk up on Harry Potter and his friend the first people that you vibed with as a non-magical person and knowing Hermione even in the non-wizarding world Hermione would be a lot to deal with you know what I'm saying? Being yeah, kind of sure. sarcastic, knowing everything. So somebody yeah. like that doesn't get a lot of friends anyway. They usually gravitate to the first people they meet. So when some of the first people you meet, you find out very early on are talking negatively about you, it's difficult for a kid. So I think if they didn't end up having to save her, if the troll never came in, that actually could have been a breaking point for Hermione. I think she she, she really could have she could have became a much different character if that situation would have went a different way. What do you think happens if if it goes a different way? Do you think she just is isolated up until Crumb shows up in book four and then she's like, she's just one of those people that they're only person in their life? Okay, because that's what I imagine. Like, only person in her life is her significant other. She's just one of those people. Nah, I think she goes even harder. I don't know that it makes her such a hard person, but I don't know if they all become as close of friends as they become. Oh, for sure they wouldn't. I think that without the troll, maybe Hermione joins Dumbledore's, but I don't think there is a Dumbledore's army without Hermione. Yeah. I think that without the troll, uh, all I think that, all of them die in different situations. Yeah. When Voldemort comes back. Yeah. yeah. She's a very important cog, fam. And you needed something as big as that troll to mend that situation. Maybe, here's what I will say though. Maybe Hermione, Harry, and Ron bond in book five over hating Dolores Umbridge. Maybe yes. that can bring them together. What a travel a tournament. I think a um, second breaking point for Hermione could have been in the second book when everybody started getting petrified and the rumors were going around, especially with Draco, that, you know, they weren't killing magical people. He was he said that he said that all right, that you'll be next mudbloods. You know what I'm saying? You know, that's a direct shot at her. So imagine again coming from a non-magical family and thinking that, yo, this thing is out to get me and people like me simply because I come from a non-magical family and then having to deal with somebody like Draco antagonizing you over and over and over again and then enablers like Snape antagonizing you over and over and over again yeah that I mean I see in my mind though Hermione is so resilient to Mm -hmm. to her enemies 
Like to anybody yes. she perceives as her enemy, like she could look Voldemort in the face. Voldemort could say whatever. She wouldn't give a fuck. That's how Hermione is to me. But at the same time, Ron can, you know, date Lavender Brown and make her cry. Like that kind of stuff. Like her friends doing stuff that diminishes her. That really hurts her. Like a lot of people, like a lot of us. I understand. Her enemies can't hurt her no matter what they do. Um, And I think that's kind of a Gryffindor thing. I think that's like a, a staple of Gryffindors. Whereas like every time a Gryffindor makes fun of Draco, it ruins his week. But when the Slytherins talk shit about Gryffindors, the Gryffindors are like, that's just Slytherins. Right. Right. No, you're 100% correct. I guess I'm saying more more so if she was like that. You know True. what I'm saying? If her mind was weaker. Like, it would make perfect sense. If she did break, then she would break in a moment like that. Oh, and Ron can definitely break from stress. I think there are Gryffindors that can break from stress. Like, mm-hmm. if, if Ron had lost Ginny in book two, he's yeah. broken. I don't think he ever bounces back from that. I think... Yeah. If you're making the case that Ron is accurately portrayed in uh, Cursed Child, you're you're pointing a lot to the death of Fred and going, Ron's probably not bouncing back from that. Um, but yeah, so another time, the first time that came to mind for me, besides book one, the troll came to mind, but also in book seven, when Ron abandons them yes. in a similar vein, that was my, those were my two. The two mm-hmm. times where I was like, Hermione could have, and Hermione doesn't even come close to folding in book seven, which is crazy. Ever. Yeah. That's, but that's the time though where I thought she might. Right. It's almost unrealistic that she didn't. It is. But you know what? Maybe she did. Because then Ron say that he came back. One of the reasons he came back was because he heard her like saying his name. Maybe. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So I'm not saying that's a full on break emotionally. Right. Because she held it together really well. But may, maybe maybe that was a little like chink in the armor. Yeah. Hermione, when she's on a mission, she can she can kind of push through. But maybe mm-hmm. she would have completely unraveled afterwards. I mean, I think the moment Voldemort was dead when everyone was celebrating, if Ron hadn't come back. Hermione would have let it sink in that Ron, who she holds in such high regard, had abandoned her permanently in that moment. And yeah, I don't think she would have ever, that would have really stayed with her. Yeah, I don't think she ever would have forgave him. Yeah. Even if it would have got better, it never would have been the same. Is there another moment besides those three where well, really, those two in book seven and book one, because in book two, she gets paralyzed. Is right. there another moment? I mean, I think that the stress of Buckbeak's execution, it stresses her out, but mm-hmm. she also kind of, you know, it doesn't really slow her down at all. Right. A hundred percent. I think, again, we would have to women. We'd have to make up hypotheticals because that character was so strong in the books and in the movies. But if anything would have failed as far as the rescue of Buckbeak was concerned, if that if that stuff would have failed, then I could see Hermione being a little bit broken, broken up because she would have had to watch Harry be broken up. Well, OK, so let's think about this. Can Hermione handle failure? Because on the one side, 
she never really fails at anything, but I'm going to give you the closest to a failure that she had. This isn't really oh, no, a failure. Okay, yeah. so I'm, 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 I only said wait because I want to see if I get it right. I'm okay. Going to put I don't think I, you're going to. This is nope. an, a very avant-garde failure choice for Hermione. Okay. It's very indirect, but I think that it's the closest she comes to actually failing at something. Okay. Down. Uh, okay. So the closest in my mind that a Hermione come a Hermione plan actually comes to failing is in book five. She's so instrumental and in the attack uh, in the Department of Mysteries. She evades Umbridge. You got it. No, 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 no. Death. Oh, I got Sirius Black's death as the closest thing to a Hermione Granger failure in the series. Okay. Got so explain it. Okay, I'll explain. So in my mind, she's so instrumental with Harry, with uh, the with Dumbledore's army, with evading Dolores Umbridge, with mm-hmm. you know, she gives guidance to Harry in terms of reaching out to Sirius. She doesn't want them to go to the Department of Mysteries, but I think that Hermione is so hard on herself and so aware of her role and everything that she right. has to acknowledge on some level that. You know, if like Harry trusts her to come up with whatever plan she can come up with. I mean, she comes up with the plan involving Hagrid's half brother and Umbridge and the centaurs in the moment. She's the tactician. Exactly. And mm-hmm. her plan ultimately ends with Sirius Black dying. And I think she would take. I think she would probably take an unfair amount of responsibility for it in her own head. Okay. Fair enough. That that's actually a great that's a great pull. I wasn't expecting that. I, see, I thought you were going to say when she was in um Professor Trelawney's class and she was failing <laughs> at that and she just like walked out, was like, you know what, I'm done with this and basically just gave up on it. But that's some Slytherin shit, right? Like this teacher who she doesn't respect is telling her She's not good at something that she doesn't care about. So, mm-hmm. of course, the moment she leaves that classroom, it's like if her, she looks at that shit, like if somebody tried to tell her she wasn't good at kayaking, she's like, I don't care. It's, it's not my right, thing. But I think it really bothered her because that's the only thing I ever, I've ever known it to fail at. But what you said made a lot of sense as far as Hermione's job is to be the tactician. And her plan kind of got messed up because somebody died. I, I didn't think of that. So, uh, you know, what's yeah. so crazy though. You know, what's so crazy is there's a link between what you said and what I said, which is, uh, prophecies. And, uh, what was that class called again? Divination. Divination. Divination is the link. And you know, what's so crazy is oh, wow. the type of fucking person where if she had stayed in divinations and taken it seriously, she would have known all that shit about the prophecies. She would have been like, Harry, it's okay. He can't go to the Department of Mysteries because you're the only person that can take this shit off the shelf. Oh, wow. That's crazy. That's to that's J.K. Well Rowling. Done. I mean, I think she's going to bounce back in 2021 also. <laughs> well, well, let's... God, let's hope so. <laughs> let's hope so. But I, I that was on purpose. I bet it was. Maybe. Good run. Very good run, though. I like that whole last segment. That was pretty fun. Great. Let's move on from one beloved character to another. 
mm-hmm. out of all the books, what's the best Hagrid storyline? So I can I can recap a little bit. So every book, Hagrid has his own little insulated storyline that doesn't really have to do with the other characters. Except, I mean, in book one, it's his job to rescue and mentor to bring Harry into the Wizarding World and to mentor Harry. In book two, um, he has what I don't really remember what he has a quiet book too, relatively. Like, yeah, he's I don't just think around. He did too much in Chamber of Secrets. In book three, he's got, I mean, he gets arrested in book two. That's like his big moment in book two. Aragog. Uh, yeah. Follow the spiders. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got the Aragog stuff. In book three, he's got Buckbeak and he's teaching uh, for the first time. That's a pretty big storyline. Book four, he's preparing uh, for the Triwizard Tournament. He's mm-hmm. involved with all the animal stuff related to it. He sneaks Harry out. Was he still teaching? Yeah, he was not. He was teaching, and he was also uh, teaching the kids if they were paying attention how to uh, how to romance a woman. That was one of his, <laughs> his side lessons that he was teaching in book four. Yeah. Uh, book five, he's also kind of quiet in book five. I think is he on like a mission to talk to the giants yet, or is that not till book six? I think that might have started already, but I could one hundred percent be wrong. Hippie witch can correct us on that. Yeah. And uh, book six, he he's also like he's just teaching. Book six and book seven, he's uh, we see him at the Battle of Hogwarts, and before that, he's on his giant uh, his mission to like diplomat to the giant community. Wait, no, book five, he's with Grop. That's what he's doing. Yes, book five, Bur- book five he's with his brother because I think Umbridge fired him. Yeah, yeah. Book five, okay. his, his family came to town. So here's my favorite Hagrid storyline. My favorite Hagrid storyline is it, it's the same. It's the storyline he started with, and that's protecting Harry and being Harry's um, transportation from one spot to the next. So, like you know, when Sirius Black, right before he went on his escapade and got arrested and whatnot, he met up with Hagrid. Hagrid was charged with going to get Harry, right? So. He went to get Harry, took baby Harry to um, the Dursleys or what have you. Then Hagrid was the one that they sent to bring Harry to um, what platform? Nine and three quarters? Yep. After that, it was Hagrid. They carried Harry's dead body, quote unquote dead body, back to um, Hogwarts. You know what I mean? So Hagrid was there for all of those moments. So for that reason, those were my favorite Hagrid moments because that's also when you got the most out of that character. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, even though Dumbledore was a father figure-esque kind of character, I feel like Hagrid doesn't get enough credit for that role that he plays. And I don't know if I can even place it as like father figure, but something like that. No, I, I think that uh, he's, yeah, he's if not a father figure, he's like an older brother like a way older, like a 15 years older brother figure. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. We I think for me, and I was thinking about it and I think it's like, if you were to compare it to Kanye albums, then book one is his college dropout and book three yeah. is his beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Like that's mm-hmm. like the critically acclaimed Hagrid with Buckbeak and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually think that book four is like his late registration. It's like his under the radar, great Hagrid book. He does 
he sneaks uh, Harry out to see the dragons, which is like such a, it's just such a Hagridy event because he's almost <laughs> getting caught. Remember, he's got like a, like they're talking. Hagrid's so not secretive that even though yeah. Harry's in the invisibility cloak, and Hagrid doesn't have to tell him anything, just show him the dragons. He'll he'll yeah. figure out like, oh, these are the tasks. But Hagrid keeps whispering to them. They keep almost getting caught. Uh, yeah, I, I love that, and also like, I especially love. Hagrid's passion for blast-ended screw-its, where it's like, if you thought this guy just loved the cool animals, this guy loves the worst animals that could ever <laughs> exist, and he loves them. And yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of the Book 4 stuff. Okay, 100%. Max, what you got on this one, man? Um, I think I like his whole, uh, that goes back decades with, like, Chamber of Secrets. I like that he's... Uh, he gets wrongfully blamed for something. It kind of like throws his uh, whole uh, wizarding life off course, but he still like has been doing like uh, his thing with the spiders. Um, you like as a part you of like it. Hurricane Hagrid? Yeah, I like Hurricane Hagrid. Hagrid the I like Hurricane um, Carter. Yeah, and I think um, there's something cool whenever um, characters leave, like that are like close to Harry, and like the moment they come back is always like a really big moment. So book seven's underrated Hagrid. Like if he returns of all the characters that return in the battle of Hogwarts. Uh, the two that you realize that you miss the most or the three, I guess, technically are Hagrid, Fred and George Hagrid, Fred and George. They yeah. come in. You're like, Oh man, I miss these characters all book. And then yeah. Percy comes in and you're like, whatever, man. <laughs> okay. Percy, have your, have your two paragraph moment. <laughs> and the captain's, that you mentioned seem to have they all go through the biggest tragedies throughout the book because Hagrid having to see Harry get killed is the biggest tragedy. Yeah, that's a rough one. Having to see Harry get killed then carry the dead body of the kid that you carried as a baby to the Dursleys? Come on. Yeah. That's tragic. How do you think that stacks up though to Molly seeing Fred die? Did she see it like like right in front of her, or did she have? No, to that's true. Me? She was she was preoccupied with Ginny. Like she would have let all of I mean she would have let all of her sons die protecting Ginny. She kind of oh gee. I mean oh. it was it was a battle. She's oh, like, like these boys got to be able to do what they do. Me and you know I'm gonna shadow Ginny for for this one. That okay. That, you know that's the only time I've ever been like. Should we edit that out because Harry Potter fans might hate it too much? But you know what? It's, <laughs> it's like Snoop Dogg said. Sometimes people hate stuff because it's true. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey, maybe. But Jesus, I didn't know Molly Weasley was cold like that. I mean, we've said so many nice things about Molly Weasley. We yeah, can, I think we can be let off with that. You're right. Yeah. We, we can, criti- I mean, not even criticize her, but acknowledge one, one thing. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she'll, I'm sure Molly Weasley will be fine. Well, then what do yeah. you think Hagrid's, uh, going back to the albums, what do you think his 808 and Heartbreak is? Do you think that's carrying Harry? That might be carrying Harry back, bro. In I think... <laughs> yeah, and I, I think... Yeah, I think, I think that it might is. Be so what would Grop be? What would all the Grop stuff be? Might be Jesus. <laughs> no, I think, I think it's Life of Pablo, and he's got Grop on the cover in the Kim Kardashian spot. And you're like, That's I'm funny. not as excited about this album as I want to be. 
yeah, no, I, th- I think that his Yeezus, I think, is uh, is probably when he goes to jail. That's that's oh. kind of Yeezusy. Yeah, that is Yeezusy. Um, and he's got the spiders too, all all book. It's like him and spiders and so. Yeah, I think book two is his Yeezus. Okay, okay. Um, and then does he have a um? Uh, Jesus is king, or is that just does Hagrid not go to that? Point? <laughs> uh, probably, probably later on. I yeah. think when Hagrid starts having kids of his own, then Hagrid becomes way different. I think Hagrid gets sober. You know what? I think that when Hagrid, when Hagrid's kids turn like yeah, Kanye's kids' age, when they're like four, five, six, mm-hmm. he, I think Hagrid sobers up because I think one time he gets drunk. And nothing even bad happens. He just, his kids are just a little bit put off by him being drunk. And then he sobers <laughs> up, he shaves his beard, he parts his hair. Yeah. He almost looks like when Zach Alphanakis plays his own brother. Like that's what Sober Hagrid <laughs> looks like. And uh, I think it's a little uncomfortable for Harry and the gang to be around Sober Hagrid. Uh, and I think that's when Hagrid puts out his Jesus is King type album. <laughs> Hilarious. The fact that that actually, the fact that y'all went on that whole run and made those comparisons, <laughs> yeah, well done. Well done. I think that Hagrid <laughs> might be the most generous reading of Kanye. Like, if we're going to ascribe a positive character to Kanye, mm-hmm. somewhere in the Hagrid vein, if we're going to go negative, we don't even really, you know, 2021 is a positive <laughs> year. We don't need to do that. <laughs> we don't need to do that. Kanye ain't done nothing. And you know what? We ain't going to jinx it. Yeah. I'm going to jinx it because God knows what he could come up with next. Well, do you think Max, Hagrid you at some... any point has like a breakdown where he has a hat showing support for Voldemort? 100%. Yes. <laughs> yes. Has to. Has to. Yo, imagine supporting Dumbledore for that long and your <laughs> only job is still the keeper of keys. Yo, you know how tired I would be of keys knowing the secrets that I know, fam? Dude, he just comes out and he says that uh, Voldemort and I both have dragon energy. <laughs> Max Martin. That's hilarious. Oh, man. Okay, well, speaking of Voldemort energy, uh, this I feel so good about this segue. Uh, we have a segment on the show called If They Were Black. Yeah. And for the first time, we are going to do a non-Harry Potter uh item for if they were black we're doing an mm-hmm. if they were black for the trump tapes and uh nico fill us in on what the trump tapes are so if you don't know what the trump tapes are our president called i think it was a governor in georgia max yeah it was like the uh, a guy who's in charge of like the election board or whatever I don't no, know. he called the person that's in charge <laughs> of the elect- election board in georgia and he basically asked the guy to find votes for him. He wanted the man to rig the election. And he went on and on and on. Like the dude even said at one point, okay, the numbers are rigged. They're shredding ballots in my opinion from the information that I've gathered. Yo, what are you talking about, dog? So if it was if it were black, it would be Okay, y'all ever seen the Boondocks? You know Uncle Ruckus? 
That's yeah. what these tapes would be. It would be Uncle Ruckus <laughs> talking about how rigged the election was in like a barbershop somewhere. That's what it that's what it reads to me. If you guys don't know who Uncle Ruckus is and you listen to the Potter Hook podcast, <laughs> Uncle Ruckus is a um, character. He's a black guy, right? But he doesn't like black people at all, right? In his opinion, white is right and all that. He's a spoof, right? He's a walking, talking parody. <laughs> but he just goes in on the culture. So he would love somebody like Trump. He would think Trump is the be-all, end-all of presidents and people. And that's what Donald sounded like. The man said, go into Fulton County and just throw their votes away. And dog, it's a parody. It's um, it's insane. He's he's like bartering with the governor about throwing the votes away like, hey, but you can just do it and then maybe hold a press yeah. conference saying you did it. And saying yeah. the count was wrong. People would be proud of you if you did it. People would have such pride, such pride. And and all the votes went. And this is the shit he was saying. They found 21,000 votes, but they all went to Joe Biden. Now, that that that's just that's just ridiculous. That's enough right there <laughs> to throw the whole election away. What? The people didn't vote for you? So if it were black, it would be the most. It, I'm telling you, it would be Uncle Ruckus. This is the same argument Uncle Ruckus would <laughs> And if yeah. you guys haven't watched the Boondocks, I'm begging you. Oh, it's on HBO stop. Max. I've been rewatching the Boondocks. Please, Not a lot I'm begging y'all. Boondocks. I don't know if you've watched this, but uh, uh, the actor who uh, voices Uncle Ruckus went on mm-hmm. the Breakfast Club as Uncle Ruckus just to talk about how much he loves Trump. So can you play? Can... can you please play a little bit of that, Max? The uh, that one, the Uncle Ruckus one. Yeah, please I find that. that and play a little bit of that for that me. actor. Uh, I believe his name is Gary Anthony Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's one of the funniest like improvisers. Uh, he, uh-huh. He's like an improv guy. One of the funniest improvisers, I think, ever. He he's an undercover brother with Dave Chappelle and Eddie Griffin and some comedy legends. And I think he's the yeah. funniest part of that movie. Well, first of all, shout out to the man. And Max is going to play a little bit of Uncle Ruckus just so you get a bit of, Here's of a the random juice. point. I don't even know what he's going to be saying. So it should be. We don't know what he's going to say, but remember, he <laughs> just play it, Max. I don't do him, sir. Don't call it bigotry. Call it niggatry. And it's brought on by you. If you look around you right now, you'll just see smiling, smiling colored folks living the dream, living the life that they've always wanted to live. And because of one man, a man whose heart is as big as his hands, Mr. President, Mr. President, Donald Trump, Mr. President. I'm really feeling like the only Negroes you be around is Diamond and Silk. Uh, Now, them, them, them two women I can respect right now. Smart colored women. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if you can understand any of that foolishness, that is Uncle Ruckus. I'm begging y'all to look him up. To, and if you find a video, tell him the Potterhood sent you. That's what that idiocy would be if it were black. It would be that or it would be like an episode of the Flavor of Love show, dog. Yeah. If you don't know what that is, it's Flavor Flav's old reality TV show where he was making out with 21 different women at the same time. <laughs> and that was just the first episode. And the yeah. pilot, he would just make out with all of them. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, it's 
idiocy. The Trump tapes, if it were black, for what it is itself, it would be the most ridiculous part of the culture. How would you... Uncle Ruckus is the most Slytherin character on that show, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, he's, he can only be a Slytherin. Only. For sure. Um, yeah, no, I think those were two of the things that came to mind for me. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the whole trying to throw out votes thing, that shit reminds me of Gaddafi, but that's just all dictators, where it's just like, yeah, yeah we had an election, but... What what numbers are we going to write on the chalkboard? It's like they don't why even count them. You know, that's right. <laughs> I, I, I'll never understand it, fam. I'll never understand it. And I'll never understand why there's people that want to go forward with supporting something like this. I think it's crazy. And it's it's almost scary. I love when he's like, our count was different. We're, our count was a little different. They were like, what was your count? You were sitting in a building in Washington, <laughs> D.C. What the fuck is your count? You just chose two numbers at random, Bro. except for the fact that your number is going to be bigger than the Biden number. Bro, you be hearing these people on the phone with this man trying not to say, like, yo, he's pulling these numbers out of his ass. They they get they be this close to going, what the fuck are you talking? Like, why are we dealing with this? Our, our people think that we're going to be throwing out 450,000 votes in Pennsylvania, 200,000 yeah. in Georgia. And you're like, and then they go, you know, you're losing Pennsylvania by 800,000 votes. You know, we're throwing I'm, out 950,000 votes in Pennsylvania. It's I'm telling you, it's um, it's fudge. Not wanting to admit Baltimore's back. But see, I don't know what it's going to take. I don't think he's going to have that moment. I don't think he's going to have that. He's back. I don't think he's going to have that moment. Yeah, well, Fudge didn't have a brand that he was trying to, like, massage out of this I whole thing. I think this thing. is past the brand, dog. This is something more. No, the, the thing is, is Fudge wasn't, like, uh, didn't have to deal with uh, going to Azkaban. He was no longer minister. <laughs> Right. Kind of should have went to Azkaban. I'm not even joking. Okay, tell us why. I think that the fact that he put Umbridge in Hogwarts, step one, Umbridge tortures kids. That's enough to go to Azkaban right there. Secondly, he had all the information to get Voldemort, like to announce that Voldemort was back before, you know, they had so much information. And that's their coronavirus. Yeah, I was just saying that. Have we we talked about that? That Fudge's like response to Voldemort is basically Trump's to COVID. That's, I think, maybe the biggest parallel. I think we have, but we've we've done it like in a roundabout way. So, yeah. What are some of the similarities like some of the what's the biggest similarity you see outside of the ridiculous ego? The amount of leeway he's given his cronies, man. The the fact that Umbridge was able to to walk into Hogwarts and just basically be a, a very mean plum walking around the school, banishing teachers, torturing students. That's basically what this man has been able to do throughout the throughout this administration and throughout this. Umbridge is uh, Betsy DeVos, just putting someone who has nothing to do with education (laughs) in the school setting, and she's just there to dismantle. Torturing kids, and the teachers are begging the headmaster to do something, and even he's powerless, trying to help from the 
trying to help from the side, but he can't even get to where he needs to get because people like Trump are holding it up. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they're very much the same. You think about it. If if Fudge was willing to acknowledge the fact that Voldemort was back, he could have coordinated with Dumbledore and they could have been on top of that whole thing a lot sooner. Yeah. So I guess if I was Sirius Black's family, like Harry Potter is crazy for never making that a bigger deal. What happened to Sirius? Because of Fudge. So in this in this metaphor, does that mean that Dumbledore is Dr. Fauci? <laughs> yeah, kind of. I mean, Dumbledore would be the kind of person in an embroidered you... robe. <laughs> that is how Fauci Fauci kind of he kind of has a little bit of the Dumbledore style. But then there's also the thing of remember, like the whole thing Fauci gets criticized for where uh, he told people not to get masks because he wanted to make sure there were enough for frontline workers. Mm -hmm. That's that's very Dumbledore ish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As he looks out from those ridiculous glasses. <laughs> And Nancy yeah. Pelosi is that lady that was in court asking people, those who vote for whether the board should be cleared of all charges. She's that one. <laughs> Useless. Just asking questions. <laughs> yeah, she's just looking around to take the temperature of the room. And then I'm going to go one further. The lady who's like, remember the lady who's like, is it true that you can do a Patronus and she likes Harry during that court yeah. trial? That's yeah. AOC. That's uh -huh. AOC. The like, one that oh. should actually be in charge. Yeah. <sighs> Fucking fossils. Anyway. Wasn't her daughter the one who snitched on the Dumbledore's army people? So I don't oh, know. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get our... We got our, our second to last segment. You know what? Let's save uh, this one. Let's go to our last one. And uh, mm -hmm. we'll save this for next time because I think this will be a long conversation. Shoot, uh, let's do it. Last topic, we're going to sort the vaccine. Okay, cool. I'm going to sort the vaccine in Slytherin because everybody it's involved with, I don't trust. They're very murky people. Pfizer, AstraZeneca, I don't trust either of <laughs> those company names. I don't trust none of the people that approve this shit. And I don't like how they're talking about it. You know what I'm saying? I don't like the fact that you're rushing it on people and that they're, they're even considering making this thing 100% mandatory. I don't like that. What's in it? There's no breakdown of the ingredients you put in it. Just tell us that. Let us be able to look that up. Yeah. I, Show I us what's happening to people. They're, they're not going to be able to make that shit mandatory. You know what? I actually, some stuff That's I like. You saw that uh, a couple of people in Kentucky vandalized the home of Mitch McConnell and they were don't like, even get us, me started on that. Give us my our two thousand dollars. I think that people are, you know, people are, are feeling like they can assert their point of view and stuff. I don't think they can make the, the vaccine mandatory because people will do what they think is best in regards to it. Regardless. All, I'm, all I'll say is this when I found out that they got them houses. Hmm. <laughs> Mm. Mm. I don't even know why we man look <laughs> I don't know why we put up with people like Mitch McConnell like bro what 
It like, yo, if I was talking to him in person, do you think he would be able to not give me my money? Every single person what? he meets, he owes $1,400 to. <laughs> Bro, yo, I, what? Yo, imagine. Hey, Mitch, can, can you give me my 14? No. <laughs> I would kick him in his waddle, fam. Yeah, you can yo, just what pull are you down talking the waddle. About? What are you what are you talking about? I can't get my money. Yo. <laughs> Yo. Yeah. Uh yeah. I would I would sort um the vaccine and into slithering hundred percent. Just because everybody it's involved with, I don't trust and I have my reasons. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'ma have to see it work before I take it. You know what I mean? Because I really don't know what that shit could do to the human body. Yeah, and just because I, you gave it to Biden, who I assume doesn't have, but it at most, at <laughs> most, thirty years more to live. Yeah, most. When you That's give a, it to people like him, it doesn't really affect how I feel about it. Yeah, yeah we're living true. longer. You know what I'm saying? I want to know how it's going to affect me, a current 27 year old who's. Black and recently found out we're native also. So that's nice. The oh, ancestry yeah. stuff came back. Cool. Yeah. So to know to know all that, I don't know how that stuff's gonna inter- interact with my body. So nah. When y'all figure that out, when y'all get some data on that, then I'll take it. Till then, slithering. <laughs> Cause the people that 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 hang with hang around it, mm-mm. It is, I mean. It is you get poisoned difficult. too often. Fuck that. I mean, the companies making it that that is like, because once you read up on those companies, I I also but I kind of think this is too high stakes for those companies to mess up. Kind of like with the McConnell house. It's like if they put out a vaccine that does bad shit, those people are going to have a really unsafe present. So I mm. I kind of think it's Ravenclaw. I kind of think that the vaccine needs to do a great job to restore faith in, because those companies have nothing to offer if uh, nah, if this nah. thing flops. Okay. You know well, why I don't think that? The only reason I don't think that, I don't, the reason that I don't agree with you on that one, bro, is I don't think that their intentions are bad. I think they don't have the expertise to have done this right. Yeah. You get what I mean? And I feel like something's going to go wrong. If they fail at this, then why do these companies exist? If they <laughs> fail at this, look at how they've handled this already. No, I know. This is already one giant failure. And when you think about it, there's other places that are actually open. New Zealand is opening up. Like opening up, opening up. Yeah, no, I saw. Their New Year's was just like any other... Year's New Year's. There's people watching fireworks together. But that's what happens when you you manage the shit. My point exactly. So we already failed. So knowing that and the fact that they rushed it and then I doubt there's a lot of TLC in this vaccine. I I feel like it was very I feel like it's very American. I feel like it was a very abrasive vaccine. You know, so I I don't know. I ain't no doctor. Yeah, I hear you. You know what I'm saying? Max, how about you? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, if it works well, 
I think it would go Ravenclaw just because yes. then they did uh, do create this in record times. And I don't think it was just Pfizer, really. I mean, it was like German scientists, which mm-hmm. like, you know, they're, they're, they're really good. We had people from like Germany and like Israel and uh, Oxford, all kind of. So it was the greatest minds in the world. <laughs> I think um, that makes me feel so much better. Yeah. So they it's not like I don't think it was just like um the suits at Pfizer being like let's get this out as quick as we can. I think they worked very closely with like uh this German company, like a German uh uh like biotech. Um right. and also um I think uh, I like what Chris Rock said. I don't know if you saw uh, his thing on it. He's like, I don't know what's in Tylenol, but I know it'll make my headache go away. So I think there is a, I think there is a thing where it's like we could because I know not exactly what's in it, but we know that it's not because like most vaccines are like they put a little bit of it in you. And that's mm-hmm. not what this is. This is something weird where it's like it has to do with like DNA it's like uh, and, 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 yeah you see yeah yeah see even the way you described that shit yeah say that yeah. again it's something to do with like i think they like engineered what the dna of it would be <laughs> that's what they did yeah. <laughs> i mean i don't know exactly i think it's something like that it's like mr something i it's really complicated i have not i have yeah. no idea really but yeah i don't look at this like tylenol i think that uh, like I, and look, I love Chris Rock. That's the goat. But mm, I don't know if I agree on that one, bro. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's that one strikes out just because like uh, you Tylenol, know what's in your penicillin. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean Tylenol has been working for <laughs> years <laughs> and years, and it's a proven commodity. This is like this is like when they tried to make three D movies, where it's <laughs> yeah. like if this shit doesn't work then nobody's people are just not going to fuck with 3d movie. Like, you know, now they have 3d TVs and people don't really get them. Hey dog, Obamacare was a great idea, but that first day the site crashed. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. This can't have, Oh, that's a good point. I mean this, yeah, the government didn't have any hand in Tylenol either. It's not like we need, this is government sponsored Tylenol. This is like, yeah, their, their Tylenol kills people. So we'll see. Um, but I, I think that like all eyes are on this is almost like uh the Oh, by the way, we don't we don't say this to scare y'all. No, I mean I'm gonna take it when you know a few people like I'm first of all, I'm not in the first rung of people that yeah, can we're not even get the, the three of us it. we're not even gonna be in like the first three or four groups of it. So it's like yeah. oh, oh I I'm not even concerned yeah. <laughs> about a group I was in. <laughs> Yeah, I could be in group two. <laughs> yeah, what I'm saying is that we're not. It's not like the, the, yeah, I would, like, the, the first priority. People take it first. We're gonna we're we're gonna see like millions of people take it before we're even allowed to take it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll see. But I think that I mean my big thing is that if this flops, then that's that. Not. Like we talked about Kanye early in this podcast. Kanye mm-hmm. has some cachet where Kanye can make a bad album and you'll still check out the new album because he's made so many great yeah, albums in the past. When Nas made his last album, the one that was Kanye produced, yeah. I was like, if this isn't great, 
then Nas's days of making great albums were the 90s. And what did they you were find? The Look, I'm excited to, uh, when they come out with Time Machines, I'll finally find out what it's like for a Nas album to debut and be amazing. <laughs> ah, wait. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a New Year's episode of the Potterhood Podcast 2021. I'm Nico White. I'm Oposnan. Will, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Will Posnan, and you can find us on TikTok at The Potterhood and then an underscore. So T-H-E-P-O-T-T-E-R-H-O-O-D underscore. And uh, we got some stand-up clips up there, and we're also going to get some Harry Potter stuff. Yeah, people like it. Let me tell you something. They have stand-up clips. I don't know who, I don't know what. First of all, please let them send them send those clips to me so I can put them up on my TikTok because they're killing harder with my videos <laughs> than I am. I'm so jealous. Yeah, we'll get you all of those. Nah, fuck that. I'm, ha- I'm happy for it. I'm jealous. Um, they, y'all even found videos back from my comedy time days when I was like 18 crazy to look at all these years later max where can where can they find you they can find me uh all social media max marcus comedy instagram twitter tiktok youtube medium now that's where the writing will be there you go and ladies and gentlemen you can find me on instagram at nico white 93 that is at n-e-k-o-w-h-i-t-e-9-3 um, I have a new special out. It's called Dark Out. You can find that on YouTube, D-A-R-K-O-U-T, if you want to have a laugh with me. And that has been the episode. Will on three. One, two, three. Mischief, Mischief managed. managed.